You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Out of the gates and ready to go. Outkick 360 underway, the Thursday edition. Glad you're with us across the Outkick network. Plenty to get to. Trey Wallace will join us from Outkick.com. He does each and every Thursday. Coming up in 20 minutes, we'll hit the SEC headlines and more. Armando Salguero helps us preview the AFC and NFC championship matchups. Our NFL writer at Outkick. On with us in hour number two. One big thing on the championship games. That's coming up in hour three. Chad, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Frank Reich is the head coach. Again. Not the retread coach I was expecting to be the first off the list I for agree. retread coaches. I agree. So that part of it surprised me. I was also surprised to learn that Frank Reich attended seminary school in Charlotte. He was a pastor in Charlotte yeah. prior to 2007 before he took his first coaching gig. Didn't realize that the, the tie was there to uh, the city of Charlotte. And as Armando Salguero wrote, he's going to need a lot of prayer with the quarterback situation he's yes. inheriting. He went through seven quarterbacks in Indianapolis from his five seasons as the Colts head coach. Had a winning record, of course, was fired midseason, and has had time to gets set up for his next gig. Turns out it's going to be with the Carolina Panthers. So we do have one job filled. And the question now is Steve Wilkes, who did a, a very nice job as the interim head coach, where does he go from here? He's already a part of the Brian Flores lawsuit stemming from the Arizona Cardinals. And we talked about this from uh, really from the jump, whenever he was named the interim head coach, Carolina and David Tepper, um, I know that the locker room really likes Steve Wilkes, the players. You can tell because of how they played for the interim head coach whenever we, we saw what happened with the coaching staff there and the, all the changes, the trade with McCaffrey. Uh, they played hard. They were competitive, even though the roster wasn't that great. And now Frank Reich inherits this team, and Steve Wilkes, or we sit and wait to see what happens next and the, the response to the Panthers not going with the minority head coach who was the interim, who did a nice job, and instead going with Frank Reich as one of the two finalists after they interviewed Sean Payton, Chad, and that is who you're referring to as the retread coach that is still out there. Yeah, I mean, how on earth are Panthers fans supposed to be excited about this? This guy was bad. In the end, well, he just got fired. I, I very mean, average, yes. Yeah, I mean, look, we you could point to, well, the quarterback issue, and the, he didn't elevate any of that. I, I just... You're right. This retread phenomenon in the NFL and the lack of outside-the-box thinking, and I get it. There have been hires that are outside the box that have failed miserably. Hello, Urban Meyer in Jacksonville. I understand that. But this... Always leaning to the comfort level of, well, this guy's been a head coach in the league before, so he knows how to work it. I, I don't get it. I feel like there are a hundred better candidates than Frank Reich for the Panthers. Good for Frank Reich. He seems like a great man. Uh, seems like, you know, a, a good guy to have in your organization in some way. 
But if I'm a Panthers fan today, you're going to have to really gin up some interest to me to, to make me excited about why the guy who just got fired in Indianapolis in midseason and now he's immediately hired by my franchise is somehow going to be the guy to lead this franchise to the next level. He was 40-33-1 in his five seasons as the head coach with the Indianapolis Colts. And, again, seven different quarterbacks. They have the ninth overall selection in the upcoming NFL draft. Which could become the number one overall they, selection. Yeah, it could. It could. I've, I've floated that out there. I, I, for some reason, I see the Panthers, the team that may yeah. surprise and trade all the way up to number one to draft Bryce Young. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And, uh, you know, also keep in mind, they don't have currently a quarterback uh, on the roster that was going to be under contract for next season. So they can have a lot of maneuvering at that position this offseason. Um, Steve Wilkes, I wonder where he goes now because of the defensive background. My guess would be the Atlanta Falcons because of the, the fact that they haven't made many hires with some of the coaches that have departed either due to retirement or due to uh, the likelihood that they're going to be uh, given the chance to upgrade from like their, Charles London, their quarterbacks coach, has a chance to be the offensive coordinator in Nashville. He's one of the guys that's talked with the Titans. So uh, the Falcons, I think, have been waiting on all of these defensive coaches who are interviewing to try to f decide if they're going to, to fill the role that way. Um, so, I, again, uh, the, the lawsuit is going to be a big storyline now because a minority coach didn't get the job in Carolina despite doing a, a pretty good job as the interim head coach in a very bad situation where they traded away the top talent and still won some games. I just, again, not excited if I'm a Panthers fan right now. And, you more and the excited fact with that he's the, he's the first one. Because those were the two finalists. Is, uh, again. Why, why are they the two finalists? Well, this is my thing with NFL owners. We're going to get to Jeff Saturday here soon. It's ridiculous that he's getting a second interview. Like, well, get out of your comfort level and go find some actual coaching candidates. Steve Wilkes, to me, is about equal to Frank Reich in terms of head coaching with what he did with the Panthers late in the year. I would have been as equally as excited, or sorry, not excited equally, with Steve Wilkes or Frank Reich. Well, And it's not about just winning the press conference. I'm not saying just go and try to make a splash with someone. I'm saying Frank Reich is the first guy off the board. Didn't see that one coming. I felt like Frank Reich may be the last coach hired because it didn't work out with the two other guys they were talking to. And they just fell back into it. Well, let's just bring a guy in who's done it before. Well, you know, and the, who's a good guy. The Sean Payton aspect of it, the, the Panthers did talk with him last Friday. They met with him in New York. And you know, there, there's now a report out that Sean Payton, uh, the interview went fine in Denver except for him not seeing certain things eye to eye with one member of the Broncos ownership group. And he's also asking for 20 to $25 million per year to be a head coach again. And you're going to have to trade for him. And the price tag is probably higher for the Panthers than it would be for any other team because they're in the same division as the Saints. So if not Sean Payton, I mean, the list of coaches, D'Amico Ryans sounds like he's going to end up in Houston or Denver. Uh, beyond that, there's not like this long list of just up-and-coming stars that are no-brainers. So uh, the Panther, what's interesting about the Panthers is Sean Payton. If you remember the interview, the podcast interview with his daughter, he brought up the Panthers. 
she was bringing up the odds of yeah. teams. And, and I remember he made a point to say, what about the Panthers? They don't have a coach right now. And I just found that interesting. Now, he could have been trolling knowing that he wasn't going to go there. So he's just putting that team out there to talk about it. But Well, he's wanting certain control. Yeah. Look, right? I, I, that, I think you could, you could do worse than Frank Reich. I don't want to make it like Frank Reich is Nathaniel Hackett as a head coach. Right. But I, I'm just a little bit surprised. I was taken aback when I saw that Frank Reich is the first draft pick in terms of here is the head coach candidate that's off the board now for a team and the first hire of the offseason. Surprise me. Well, are we going to be really surprised if Jeff Saturday's named the head coach of the Colts? No. At because, this point, I'll be surprised if he's not. Yeah, because he's, he's back in line for a second interview. There's a report that Ursay really wants to hire him. There is a petition out from Colts fans trying to get Ursay's attention to not hire Jeff Saturday as the full-time head coach of, of, in Indianapolis. And he's one of seven coaches that are getting second interviews with Ursay. I, I don't know what they're doing in Indy, but this is Ursay. This is a perfect example of an owner meddling way too much. If you're keeping your GM around, let that guy go in and make this the football decision. Ursay, you know, at the press conference with Saturday, started listing off all the hires that he had made from, you know, general manager in the Hall of Fame. We have a head coach in the Hall of Fame, a quarterback in the Hall of Fame, and he's pointing to himself as making that hire. And it, I mean, all signs point to Jeff Saturday getting the gig. It's almost like Shane Beamer uh, defending his coordinator hire when he was listing everyone that he talked to about it. <laughs> have you heard of Bill Belichick or Bill Parcells? Have you talked to these people? <laughs> Jim Ursay... Someone needs to do a welfare check on this guy. Um, he's lost it. I, I, I don't understand. Long ago. Long ago that it happened. You felt like he was better. But this, drive your head through a brick wall. I am right on this. Everyone else is wrong. Jeff Saturday is the guy. Persistence with him is going to run this organization into the ground. I defended the outside-the-box thinking of Jeff Saturday when the hire was made saying that you don't have to serve 25 years right. as an assistant coach in the NFL to be qualified to be an NFL head coach. Now, what I've seen from Jeff Saturday is someone who is not qualified to be an NFL head coach based on his interim experience. How Jim Irsay has not seen that as the owner of the team is beyond me. And he's going to have to get over this love of Jeff Saturday if the Colts are going to move forward. And Hutton, you asked the question... How, would you be surprised? I'd be surprised if it didn't happen at this point. This thing is trending. I know there's seven other guys that are getting a second interview. The fact that Saturday is on that list, mark my word, this thing is trending towards Jim Ursay just loves Jeff Saturday, and he is going to be named the full-time head coach. And no player in that organization is going to respect it. The GM might leave when that happens. This is going to be disastrous for the Colts organization. Well, and also, uh, Jordan Schultz reported that Ursay hasn't even really been sitting in in the interviews to this point. So it's, you know, his mind's made up. You've got Chris Ballard, who's conducting a lot of this. So he jumps in now for the second, for the second round. So they're bringing back seven, which again, seven sounds like a first round of interviews. And you narrow it down to two or three, which is what the Panthers did. Maybe, just maybe, I'm trying to give Colts fans a little bit of hope here. Mm -hmm. Maybe, just maybe, Jim Irsay said, hey, we put Jeff in a tough spot. Uh, you go ahead and pick the five or six guys you want to bring back for a second interview 
to the GM. I'll come in the second round of the interviews, but let's give Jeff a spot in that second round regardless because the difficult spot I put him in, and then we can conduct the full interview with him also. Maybe. I don't think that's the case. I think that Ursay really wants to hire Saturday, and it's going to happen. But maybe this is just another courtesy thing of, I brought him into this mess. It was a tough spot. He got ridiculed. I got ridiculed. Let's at least give him the second interview with me also. Maybe. But I don't think so. There was a uh, another... A reporter on on social media that put out that Ursay in his uh, in the interview not Ursay um, Saturday in his interview said that he wanted control of his staff and I'm thinking of course like that that's one of the things Saturday is going to be in control of his staff like he'll be able to fire the current coaches that he doesn't want to keep around but that's typical for any head coach he should have full control over his staff has there been a head coach that was hired that. I mean, I'm sure there's been a stipulation of, like, this guy's been here a long time. We'd like to keep the defensive coordinator or someone in the organization that's under contract. But I don't know. I, I'm trying to think of a situation where an NFL head coach interviewed for a job and the owner said, oh, by the way, we're going to hire your staff for you. And it's going to be an arranged marriage with your staff. So, yeah, yeah of I mean, course, to your it's, point, it's happened Jeff with Saturday would want control of it. Of course. Yeah. Like yeah. Mike Malarkey here, whenever well, they hired John Robinson. I'm saying I'm sure it's happened with, like, one coach. On one side of the ball, one coordinator. Yeah. Defense wasn't the problem. This guy's been here. We like him. Well, are you okay working with him? Offensive coordinator, same thing. They, uh, Mike McDaniel kept the defensive staff in Miami from yeah. the previous season. And that may have been part of the interview process. Could have been. Are you okay working with this defensive staff? And they're now yes cleaning no. house on that side, too, yeah. a, uh, a year, year later. later. It is up on social at Outkick360. Speaking of staffs, uh, Bruce Arians reportedly not happy with the fact that six assistant coaches in Tampa Bay. Uh, were fired, and three other assistants, take it however you want, retired. So a total of nine from the staff. This is a year after Arians had the quote about how he's not going to have the opportunity to keep that staff together and ensure that they have full success after he retires, um, which is why he put Todd Bowles, handpicked him, put him in that position, why they kept everything together, and Arians was still around the team. Uh, reportedly, he's he's not pleased with the way things went down throughout the season, but also immediately following the offseason where coaches were not retained. Arians, by the way, his contract is expired. He's free to go to any other organization. Um, technically, he's in retired uh, status, I guess you could say. But, Chad, this is, uh, this is, to me, this points to Brady. This points to the front office and ownership that are – solid with Brady by all reports. Um, and, and going back to last year, I'm saying we haven't heard any disagreement from that end of things. The speculation was Brady and Arians. And now that Leftwich and uh, several other staff members are, are off the coaching roster, they definitely want to be in the mix to retain Brady for another season. And to me, this is a way to go about doing that. Maybe, yeah, it seems like a way to appease Brady, something that he would want, that they're looking out for what would he want with this staff. The whole Bruce Arians thing is just so strange to me. The separation from head coach, he sort of, I guess, officially retired and then went to the front office, but he was like probably pushed out. Or something, yeah. And it, but he's a senior advisor that's yeah. on the you know, sideline during the games. It's very visible, and now he's 
words leaking out that he's angry about the firings, but he's not under contract. The whole relationship with Arians and the Bucks post him winning a Super Bowl for them has been very odd. And he put Bowles in position to win, knowing that a year prior to him stepping away, they won the Super Bowl. And they had the big comeback against the Rams. We know how that ended. The Rams kick a field goal in Tampa and win the game and go on to the NFC Championship game and send Arians packing, um, but by his own choosing. He worked out the remainder of his contract, which was this season, but just wasn't the head coach. And now, uh, just going back to his quote, Chad, I control the narrative right now. I don't control it next February because if Brady gets hurt, if we go 10-7 and and it's an open interview for the job, I've got 31 coaches and their families that depend on me. My wife is big on not letting all those families down. And a year later, that's exactly what happened, except they didn't go 10-7. and They went 8-9. and And they cleaned house on offense, but also a couple of uh, defensive assistants as well. That's what happens when you go 8-9 and nine in a bad division. And you have Brady as your quarterback. It's also what happens when you allow a guy who's a Super Bowl champion to get pushed out and somehow hang around your organization to just throw flames at everything yeah. that you do from that point on. Again, odd arrangement, odd separation between the two with Arians and the Bucks. And this is just another layer to that strangeness to me. We'll dive back into the uh, coaching rumors and hires with Frank Reich and Carolina. Also uh, with what Jim Irsay is doing with Jeff Saturday. And what about Sean Payton? That's coming up later in the show. Hour number two with Armando Salguero. When we come back, LSU overpaid Brian Kelly by a million dollars. We'll lead off with that story with Trey Wallace next on Outkick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire. By famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. Chad, there may have been like one or two pay periods over the course of our career. We've we've been like overpaid for like an endorsement once or twice, right? Like that like carries over to the next month or something. But nothing like we're seeing at LSU. No, and I I feel like if there was uh, any egregious error, it would be immediately spotted and then taken back. Or it just it's taken out of the next month. You know what I mean? Like. Trey Wallace joins us. Outkick 360 rolls on. You can read more about this at outkick.com. Trey, how does LSU pay Brian Kelly a million dollars more than what they should have? Uh, You have a horrible accountant who doesn't pay attention, or if he's not paying attention, he knew what was going on and just uh, let it fly by. That's it. That's a crazy thing. Y'all were talking about it. Like if, you know, if, if, if Clay and Outkick or whatever decided to, to give me double pay uh, during the month of December, I would probably point that out at the end of the month and then, you know, let them have yeah. a payment schedule to get it back. <laughs> it's, uh, no, it, it's, it's bonkers. And, you know, if it, and the crazy part about that is, Jonathan, they didn't figure it out till November. So this had been going on for seven months. And this was just, 
is through the audit of the university, right? And uh, yeah. the biggest question is, I like the, whoever inputted this into the payroll or whatever. Um, if it was nine million, someone put a ten instead of a nine. Like it, like it, it's not just a an extra a, a, a misplaced uh, comma, right? Like it's <laughs> it's an extra digit that's not a zero, and that's yeah, what's they, so they weird getting, about it. Yeah, they were getting su- he was getting supplemental pay. I mean, if it wasn't for <laughs> an audit done of you know, and and he was like one. Brian Kelly was one of like three coaches that were audited. So. Think about if they didn't audit yeah. Brian Kelly. Like, this could still be going on. So it's a funny story. It's a what in the world are you doing, LSU accountants type of story. Um, and now they've set up a payment plan for him. It's like he took <laughs> out a loan at Best Buy to pay uh, back a television. So good luck, Brian Kelly. Trey, let's get into this story that you had with, with Stetson Bennett and the Senior Bowl. It's very strange to me that if Stetson Bennett, in fact, had an opportunity to go and he's healthy, especially, you got Hendon Hooker going who's not healthy, it would only benefit him to go uh, and go through the interview process there. What, t- tell us more about this story and what you think about this decision from Stetson Bennett. Yeah, I think it's a bad decision um, not to go to the Senior Bowl. And I have a piece coming out tomorrow, and it's kind of a behind-the-scenes look at the senior bowl and what you expect, you know, as a player and as a GM, and, and you guys know about it. Um, but the, the the senior bowl is an opportunity where you just you get in front of coaches, you get in front of Bill Belichick or Harbaugh or you name it, Frank Wright, uh, and you and you discuss, you know, um, it's it's like the first test when it comes to being an NFL player, and the fact that he has decided not to play in the game. And that's one thing. The other thing is not showing up for, you know, and doing interviews with scouts that are there. Uh, the first day that, that, that senior bowl players arrive on the second day, on Monday, you know, the, these players get up in front of probably 400 NFL personnel members and they're in their underwear and they're getting weighed and their measures, their hands and whatnot. Um, it is very interesting to me that you show up. And, and I was told, He's been in Mobile for the last four or five days training down in Mobile where the game is going on. So that gave them the opportunity to go talk with Stetson Bennett and be like, hey, look, like we're, we're, we didn't technically invite you during the season, uh, towards the end of the season, but we're saying, hey, come to the Senior Bowl. Like we want you here. And his representatives in Stetson thought that uh, it wasn't a good idea for him. I have a couple of theories of why um, he didn't show up. One of them being uh, that they're going to figure out how much this kid weighs and actually how small he is. Um, but that's, but that shouldn't be you know, like something to detour you from going. Like everybody knows, like everybody well, knows how much you weigh everybody, but but there is a, a couple of things in there that maybe Jonathan Chad that, that would that would scare him off. Maybe I mean, there are seventeen scouts across the league at every Georgia game. Like they already right, know what exactly. the guy looks like in pads. So I, I don't think that's the issue. I don't. I don't. Uh, so two big questions. Like yeah. And I reached out to Jim Nagy of the Senior Bowl last night. And I haven't heard back, and I'm sending another text because why was he not invited to begin with? Well, I think that. And this is my personal opinion, so go with it as you will. I think they were waiting on Will Levis 
And when Will Levis decided not to play in the game, and then this was kind of recently, I yeah. think that's when they started having discussions with Stetson Bennett um, about coming. Now, I, I think that he, Stetson, here's the thing about the senior bowl. The senior, you know, they just added Malik Cunningham from Louisville as a quarterback. They added a Charlotte wide receiver yesterday. Mm-hmm. The senior bowl adds players, you know, as the season goes on. And by the way, Jim Nagy, the senior bowl, who does a fantastic job. Oh, it's excellent. They get, they get these recommendations from NFL personnel. So it's not like Jim Nagy sitting there in the office and thinking, okay, well, we don't know if Stetson should come, but Will Levis maybe should come or Malik Cunningham. You know, they're they're getting input from who's going to be down there. I, you know, I am kind of curious as to why uh, maybe an invitation didn't come in the mail four weeks ago, five weeks ago, um, but. You know, there's a, there's always a, a marker for that. And if some and, – and, and maybe you'll agree with this, Jonathan and Chad. If you're projected to be a sixth or seventh round draft pick, the senior bowl is, is not usually for those type of players normally. Right. Um, they, they, these are guys that from maybe first round to fifth round, something like that. Like if, if you think you're going to go later, usually you don't come to the senior bowl. Um, but you have to make an exception, in my opinion, for a two-time national championship quarterback um, and, and a guy who's lost one game in the last two years. So it is kind of interesting, hoping to get some answers when I get down to Mobile uh, to cover that for next week. But it, it you know, it, it came down to Stetson, by the way, at the end. It, it, he said, I didn't want to do it. His reps did. Whoever did, they said they didn't want to do it. And, um, you know, the senior ball tried. Trey, it's a good time to be involved in Tennessee athletics. It's a profitable time as well for both Danny White and Josh Heupel. No surprise, both guys get big raises and big contract extensions. What did you make of the news this week? Yeah, Chad, I I thought that was a a statement from Dondi, and I thought that was a statement from Danny White. Hey, you know what? We have a good thing going here. We're looking towards the future. We want to lock this thing up. Make a buyout as big as you want to. It really doesn't matter. But we're going to pay Josh Heupel what we think the market should be for a coach that goes 11-2 and and beats Clemson in the Orange Bowl and, and the wins that they had this year and the progression that they've made. Because you look around the conference, Cheb, and you look at some of the other salaries, you know, Eli sitting around six, you know, Shane Beamer, you know, in that in that six market, like – you know, Billy Napier, you know, as well. You know, Josh Heupel is now up there, you know, behind, right behind Jimbo, right behind Nick Saban, right behind Kirby Smart, Brian Kelly. Like, this is a statement that Tennessee is saying, you know what? We think that we're back. We think that we have things going in the right direction. We proved it on the field next year. We want to make Josh Heupel um, as, as, profitable as he can be. And I, you know, when you pay a coach like that as well, you're not just rewarding the coach. You're also publicly making a statement to the college football world that, Hey, we got this thing going in the right direction. He deserves this amount of money. Now it's up to Josh Heupel to not pull a Mel Tucker, you know, where Mel Tucker gets this boatload of money. And then they turn around Michigan state's not good. You know, they're playing bad last year. Josh Heupel's got to keep this thing going in the right direction, but I I think he will, you know, and you hit on that second part with Danny White. That's a very smart move by Tennessee 
for it's not like Danny White was going anywhere, okay? But I think Tennessee, look at all the sports, okay? Look at men's basketball and where they're at right now. That's a top five team in the country. Women's basketball tonight, they I think they've won, if I'm not mistaken, eight or nine games in a row. They're gonna play UConn tonight on national television at eight o'clock Eastern time. Um, you've got a baseball team and Tony Vitello, who is the villains of the college baseball world, but he's earned his paycheck in the crowds that he is bringing out and what he has done with that program. You know, and, and, and you can go on. You go track and field. You can go – however, the swim team, they're having success. Danny White has done a really good job of uniting the Tennessee fan base because remember when he first came in there, he said, let's get rid of all these distractions on Twitter – Let's not be negative. All Twitter needs to chill out. What have we seen over the last two years for Tennessee? We've seen them make a steady upward climb of success. And I think that has to do with Danny White rearranging that building over there on campus. And I think it's the hires that he has made. And if, the, if it isn't the hires that he's made, it's how he's handled those hires uh, in the process. Text a buddy, I think is what he said. Instead of going to social media, just text a buddy when your team text loses and you're upset. It's a lot easier. More, It's th- still the same type of therapy. I love the line from Danny White in the press release also where he said something like, after a brief period of dormancy, Tennessee never relinquished their place as a college football powerhouse nationally, and now we're back. Uh, I will also say this, Trey. <laughs> we're back. There's, there's pressure <laughs> on Josh Heupel from this perspective. Um, you make $9 million a year. This is now the expectation. N- not to go 11 and 2 every year, but now suddenly 8 and 4 next year is a disappointment to Tennessee fans. That wasn't uh, the case 2 or 3 years ago. You're praying for 8 and 4 at Tennessee. Now 8 and 4 and you are going to have some Tennessee fans not texting a buddy and taking to social media and saying, "Why are we paying this guy 9 million dollars a year to be middle of the pack in the SEC?" Chad, I would have hated to have seen what some Tennessee fans would have done to go eight and four three or four years ago. I mean, oh, no. it, 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 you know, or have success. Um, you know, you look at last year and what they did. You come back this year, you win the games that you, you know, you pull off. That Alabama game was probably the best college football game of the year behind, you know, not behind, but right there with LSU and Bama and Death Valley. So, you know, you beat in Florida, you know, you, you, you're showing off to get some of these teams. You have this high-powered offense. You get the number one ranking in the country. You know, he, he's, he's come in, and he has done a very good job, first off, of setting expectations, second of all, of getting the right players that he needs for his program. And, and I think that when you look towards the future, I agree with you. Next year, eight and four, ain't going to cut it. Not for a $9 million man. And here's the thing. That's good to have expectations like that now if you're paying that head coach that amount of money. Like you look at Tennessee's schedule next year, I I see nine and three, you know, maybe if they get, you know, Joe Milton keeps the football inside Neyland Stadium, nine and three, you know, maybe 10 wins. I, we'll see. Um, but, but I think setting that tone with Josh Heupel with the amount of money, you, you put him in that different tier. And that's also, I'll add this, that's also when he goes on the recruiting trail and when he's meeting with you know, other coaches or whatnot or going into SEC meetings, they all know he's a $9 million man now. He's one of the highest paid coaches in the Southeastern Conference in college football. And you know what? Treat him. You know, it gives you a different amount of, of 
kind of respect, I guess is the best way to put it. And uh, good on Danny White and Don Plowman for doing it because they could have gotten cheap. They could have gone like $7 million or something like that. That wouldn't have made a splash. What they did made a splash, and, and Tennessee continues to do it. Well, the other splash comes with Danny White, right? Just based on it's it's believed that he is now the highest paid SEC AD based on this yeah. raise. So who gets so Hypel benefits from Beamer, Drinkwitz, Kiffin, and all the raises they received to remain at the universities they're they're coaching for. Um, who is going to benefit from Danny White's new contract across the SEC? <laughs> I, I think it's just I think it's just stability um, with Tennessee and what they're paying. I, I think that if you look at the biggest thing too is the money that's about to be in this conference, guys. I mean, the reason why some teams are spending money now is because they know here in two years, yeah, there's about to be a Brinks truck backed up to every school at the end of every year, dropping off huge bags of cash from television contracts that they are receiving. I think that you know you you look around at other athletic directors. You know, look at John Cohen, you know, at Auburn, Scott Strickland at Florida. You know, I, I, I could go on. You're a check, Arkansas. You know, you're you're putting yourself into a spot with Danny White where you're almost doing the same thing with Josh Heifel. You're saying, we think we have one of the best coaches in college football and Josh Heifel. So with Danny White, you're saying, okay, we, we think we have one of the best athletic directors. We're going to pay him. Like, we think he is one of the best athletic directors in the country. And I think that's a smart move by Tennessee in the long run. I think that, you know, you, you look at what he has done at the university, and I think, he, I think he's earned it. Um, but they got to – and it's more – it's not just football. It's not just basketball. It's what you're doing with Neyland Stadium. It's what you're doing with Thompson Bowling Arena. You know, getting the baseball stadium redone and actually make it – you know, where you want to go hang out, you know, on a Friday night at the end of February and it's freezing, but it's a really cool environment. Like he is doing all of those things. So they secured Danny White. They also made a statement to the rest of the country that we think we got the best out there. Trey Wallace, our guest on Outkick 360. Trey, have you heard anything about the Michigan quarterback and offensive coordinator search currently going on there? I have no idea what you're talking about, Jonathan. No, I'm just messing with you. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm just messing with you. Uh, no, uh, that is a uh, that's a position that that, that 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 people should pay attention to. T. Martin uh, with the the Baltimore Ravens. Um, I think that any job is um, what's the best way to put this. I think any opportunity that comes available, uh, especially a, a to be able to call an offense is a lot different, you know, when you're, you're a wide receivers coach. You know, if you can be a co-offensive coordinator, um, I think you always have to listen, Jonathan. You know this. I mean, it, it, there's, there are many universities out there that have those co-titles um, that don't really mean anything. I think at Michigan it actually does. Um, and talking with a few people about that situation, I think that if you can come in and, and they can find a quarterback's coach that's been there and done that and – and knows the lay of the land when it comes to college football. Um, I, I think, you know, T. Martin would be a, a nice fit. Now, will he take it? You know, if he's offered, that's a completely different story because we are seeing a changing landscape right now in college football, gentlemen, where these college coaches are wanting to get out. They're wanting to get in the NFL um, and, and they're wanting to get away from the recruiting, the transfer portal, the NIL 
everything that goes into it. I can't tell you how many assistant coaches I have spoken with during this past season that are wanting a way to get out of college football. And it's not because they don't like college football. It's because they have no life outside of college football. And and I think that's, you know, that, that's one of the factors. You know, I'll be honest with you, that's, that's kind of one of the reasons why, you know, Martin um, took the job with the, the Ravens after, after talking with him. Um, that's one of the reasons why Bill O'Brien has, has gotten out of Alabama. It's not just because Nick Saban wanted to shift something off and change something up on offense. Bill O'Brien was tired of dealing with the recruiting stuff and tired of dealing with NIL and transfer. It just got old having to have a conversation, you know, at 1030 at night with a 17-year-old kid. And the first thing that he's asking you is, how much money am I going to make when I get on campus? Like, these guys are tired of it, and the grind is never ending. And, and so – I think you're going to see over the next two to three years this change continue to happen where more college coaches are trying to get out of that area and maybe get into the NFL. And I think that's why you're going to see a couple splash names over the next few years. I think there probably are a few coaches. I'd put T. Martin maybe in this category that are the reverse of that, that they get bored just doing football. And they don't want to just do football all the time. And they actually enjoy recruiting. And they enjoy going to high schools and evaluating kids and doing all that. It's probably a small select few I'm talking about here, Trey. But I'm willing to bet that there are a few coaches. Like, I kind of miss the college game because I like splitting up the time between hardcore football stuff and, oh, I got to go to Kolioka, Alabama to go recruit this linebacker also and build a relationship with him. That may actually excite some coaches out there. Chad, that's a perfect example. No, it does. You know, you've got some coaches that love to be on the road, love to recruit. They want to be at Hutchinson Community College in, in Kansas when it's, you know, 15 degrees outside and they want to be talking to some of these players and recruits. You know, it's just there's a different mindset between some. And you know what? And some coaches, maybe they just need a year or two off. You know, go somewhere, go to the NFL where it's more chill and relaxed and, you know, you're home by 6 o'clock at night. Um, you know, you're not having to deal with everything that comes with being a college coach, not just recruiting and not just on the field, everything that goes into it. And, and in the NFL is a little bit more lax. And, and, and a couple of people have told me, you know, you come to work every day in the NFL. I'm working with professionals. I ain't going to go, you know, you're not having to go out there and you're not having to deal with, you know, a college kid's problems and what's going on outside of the football complex. Not that they don't care. It just takes a wear on you. It, it, it strains you if you've been doing it for so long. So I, I do think that, you know, there, there is the, that portion that guys love it. They want to do it. And I think with this, this new change in college football, I do think it, though it's going to wear on some uh, and maybe you see it. But it would not surprise me if, if you see coaches start jumping back from the NFL, back into college, you know, in, in this place you know, just switcheroo now. So, yeah, there there is that thing. And um, I, I look, I think it benefits too. You know, if you get a, a high-paying job and the money that's being floated out there right now, uh, why not get back into the game? So it, it's an interesting question and equation, Chad. Read more from Trey and check out the Trey Wallace podcast at outkick.com. Trey, appreciate you. Yeah, guys, thanks for having me so much. And we'll be down to Senior Bowl next week with full coverage on that. So, Stick with Outkick 360, and you guys stick with Outkick.com, and I hope you'll have a great weekend. Look forward to reading that and having you on the show from Mobile next week. Thanks, Trey. Enjoy it. There is uh, Trey Wallace, Outkick.com. Chad, 
proving, well, two things. Number one, I'm always late to the social media viral videos, right? Yeah. Um, that's number one. This has apparently been. I'd say out. both of you, are, both of us, are fall victim to that at times, where we're kind of uh, late worse. to the trends much on worse, social I media. I feel, um, but this also, uh, when we come back, proving that in at least in Iowa, there is a contest for everything, and it doesn't always involve talent. This is the one social media viral thing that we didn't have to get Haley in to translate for us <laughs> because she's up on the trends, but she's not up on Iowa farm. Uh, county fair trends that we're about to get into. That's next on Outkick 360. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Armando Salguero joins us. Uh, That will be in about 40 minutes. Hour number two will include a ton of information on the head coaching searches across the NFL. Frank Reich is Frank back Reich in. Frank Reich hour coming up. The Frank Reich hour, The Jeff yeah. Saturday hour is going to be after Maybe. that. Maybe. When is the Sean Payton hour going to happen? Probably with Fox Maybe when he comes year. down from that 25 mil that he's been quoting everyone that's going <laughs> yeah. to cost you him. Get that, in, get that in college. May have to, may have to come <laughs> off of that a little bit. Hey, uh, Sean, you're good, but you're more like $18 million a year good. I, yeah. Uh, crazy. We'll detail that with Armando. That's coming up on Outkick 360. Chad, uh, proving that there is a contest for everything. Uh, here, it, it, here is a video, a viral video. Maybe you've seen it, maybe you haven't. If you're like me and you feel old, you haven't seen this until today. Uh, this is in Iowa, the husband calling competition. Hurry up! I don't want to be late. Bob, hurry, hurry! Bob, Robert, Dean! Can you imagine living with these women? Well, that's cuckoo, this is innovative at least. Cuckoo, She's got a the bird clock. Says, oh my Man, gosh. These, they, <laughs> of course, her husband's name is Daryl. Can you hear me? You get yourself in here right now. Come on. I mean, you know you're going to be late again, and you know that I want to get there on time. This is Right, 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 right. So that I mean, when I first pure like just ridiculous, uh, I, I that the the annoyance of that. How it's how the, could you be with a woman like that? It's that well. <laughs> Let's just start there. I got to be very careful. How, here. Well, no, no, no. Um, I don't think Angie calls you no, like this. No, no, no. How? But how annoying must the must the guy be? Is the more annoying the better? Is that your better chance of winning the husband calling competition? Because it sounded like every woman was imitating Jim Carrey and Dumb and Dumber when he asks if you want to hear the most annoying sound in the world. Yes. And he does that weird screeching scream. That's what all of them are doing. I asked Matty Eisen here, who's from Iowa. He's an Iowa farm boy. Yep. Most of these, Hutton, you know the county fairs well, where you're from. I do too. Yeah, Most of these competitions have some sort of merit to it. There's a reason for it. Like right. there's some agriculture reason. 
I asked yeah. Matt, I said, I thought they were like showing the strength of their voice to call out when it was dinner time in the fields. <laughs> so like farmers were out in the fields way back when, and the wife would have to go on the porch and Daryl! Or just yell out as loud as they could, and the husband would come, come it, in. And Matt, It's called the dinner I, bell, not Matt, the dinner yell. Matt completely let me down. He said, I, I have no idea. I've never heard of this before. I, I don't know what the reason is for it. So I guess the reason is there is no reason. It's just something silly to do at a county fair or I, state I, fair or I wherever guess, this was. Uh, fair, you know, fair enough, Chad, uh, with your explanation. But the fact is these women entered this contest, which makes them you know, annoying to begin with. Yeah, let's just, what's let's the price? Baseline. I don't know. Last night, uh, Maybe a, kid, bucks. a kid at Tennessee game hit a half-court shot and got $600 I, I to know. the vol shop. Not in cash. He See, got a $600 gift card to the vol shop. I knew there was a catch and to I'm that. And I'm thinking, I remember they did that at Belmont back in the day. Angie was telling me this when she went there. They'd give them tuition for a semester. Free. To Belmont, to which is like twenty five k. Yeah, it's like, here's If six, you hit the half-court shot. You're going to win $600, dot, dot, dot. Of gift cards to a bunch of crap that you don't need. Well, even the six hundred dollars you know? is enough, and then the gift card on top of it is ridiculous. Yeah. Now, someone did point out, which is pretty funny. They said they are cutting a lot of checks up there in Knoxville right now, so they may had to have skim a little bit off the top of the promotional budget <laughs> and just give out gift cards now after they're paying Josh Heupel and Danny White I what mean, they're paying. That can't be the excuse because in LSU they're paying a million dollars more than what they should for their coaches. Didn't even know it was there. Yeah, no. We uh, just found this in the couch cushions here in Baton Rouge. <laughs> here's here's another mill for you. B. Kelly. Oh, man. And, and think about the other coaches who were not audited. Because there were three that were. How nervous are you? You're going back like... Kim Mulkey on, right sorry. now is like, please don't look into my checking account. I'm Kim making Mulkey two is taking her here. team to a, the, the state prison. To, uh, yeah. Like scared straight? Like a team building thing. Or are they going to play I, a game in the prison? I, I don't know. Is this going to be like uh, Johnny Davey, Gash? I, I sense a future segment on this. Tim Mulkey goes to the prison. (laughs) Headlines next, including Georgetown and 29 games.